0: Board the Athletics Can't Wait Jets Podcast, your non-stop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely.
1: Can't wait. Welcome to the Zach Wilson Coming Out Party Edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Can't Wait is Visa a Network working for everyone i'm tim mcmaster along with the athletics jets reporter connor hughes and our producer marissa morris thanks for checking us out on youtube spotify apple wherever you're watching or listening give us a five-star review we love that as well lots to get to of course zach wilson Jets win a game in overtime defense stepping up but we got to start special thank you to our producer marissa morris who has been co-host for a month while i was out being a dad and much appreciated marissa thank you very much
2: Um, Of course. And shout out to you, new dad. Uh, So exciting. We can't wait to hear all your dad jokes and you better bring uh, the dad joke game to the pod now. And we're so excited
1: as one of the many, you know, people are great. Obviously, Um, you know, we have friends, family sending you stuff and it's been amazing. Uh, Being a dad has been amazing. But you mentioned dad jokes and one of the things we received along with a package of like some clothing, some nice things is I actually have a book of dad jokes. So Amazing. if I can't come do up really? with my own, I have some some research to do.
2: I expect you to start sprinkling them in our rundowns. Um, yeah. But we are so excited for you and Mandy. And we are so excited to welcome welcome little Ailey to our podcast family. Yeah,
1: awesome Ailey is, you, healthy. A+ is healthy. Mandy is healthy. So oh, what was that, Connor?
0: I said it's an A-plus name. It's also an awesome name. I'm always worried that I'm going to have a friend who has a baby name that like I hate and i'm like oh my god and now i gotta pretend topic. like i like the name and i gotta pretend like oh this is a cool one but like it, ailey's right up there i mean i've got like a sawyer in the family now which i really love yes. uh costia in the family which i freaking thinks awesome caden peyton like i've got all of them so we're we're like all the all the all the kids have have passed the name test both like i said the, the my two biggest worries are like one of my friends or family members gonna have an ugly baby and i'm gonna have to be <laughs> like oh my god the baby's ugly and then i have to pretend like it's cute. But no, all the babies have all been very cute and 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 cute and, and their names have all been really cool. And Tim's passes the test as well. So we're all we've cleared we've cleared all major hurdles.
1: Yeah, and the, the name thing is is wild, right? Because you you know you, you find out that your wife's pregnant, you start thinking about these things, and early on you don't know if it's gonna be a boy or a girl. Um, and we actually you know landed on that name and both loved it before we knew if it was a boy or a girl. Now we knew we we didn't tell anybody until uh, she was born, but we knew that it was going to be a girl. But there was a small stretch there where we had no thoughts on a boy name. We were like, no idea. <laughs> like, n- nothing <laughs> at all. But if it's a girl, like we love this name, Ailey. And so like when we found out that it was a girl, it was like, oh, we're good to go. <laughs> no more thinking about names. This is fantastic.
0: So, yeah, um,
2: that's amazing. Very yeah. excited for you guys. Connor did learn that babies um, don't crawl as soon as they come out.
0: It's been a wild world. And yeah, that they voices. actually,
2: they can't, he was mind blown that they can't see yet. Like their oh, eyes are yeah, not blew fully my mind. Working I thought you yet. came
0: out, you could see things. I thought that was like a big thing. Like, don't people say like, still that they have a memory of like exiting the womb or something? I don't know. I thought they said that. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know you can't see. Like that. I,
1: yeah, they see, even now, I think her vision is like a foot. Like, yeah. A foot That's to like 18 mine is. So, so <laughs> if you're <laughs> like in her yeah. face making like, you know, all the googly voices and things like she can get that to agree but colors are not good yet either like it's mostly they say like if you play with like black and white toys it's the best because they they could see the contrast but not like really a dog. the colors yeah it's been uh it's like been educational for me too Connor.
0: yeah it's wild man i'm gonna have to you have to i'm gonna have to go it to timmy daycare when uh whenever <laughs> Bree and i have a kid i'm gonna be a quite the the wild ride you
1: can see me getting calls at three in the morning from Connor when, when he has
2: it. Yeah. I think it's no coincidence though, that the jets had their performance. They did. And we finally got the squad back together.
1: That's right. Um, so. Yeah, so bringing Jets us back to the, the Take
2: back. it away, because right. I am very excited for you to take it away. <laughs> all right, let's let's
1: let's start with, I mean, obviously the win is important and all of that, but, but we know um, this season isn't about the wins and losses. It hasn't been, although it was starting to be about the losses, which isn't good. But they get the win, Connor, in overtime. But more importantly than that, Zach Wilson showed, everything that we wanted to see right I mean the the flashes the arm getting out of the pocket um, I want to start though and and you can go big picture with with what this meant and all that but I want to start with the drive in the second quarter where he didn't go to the deep pass and and he didn't wave players down the field to go deep or, or make the pinpoint throw it was much more of a simple drive and they go 11 plays, 75 yards, get on the board. To me, that felt like a real turning point for this team, even though the huge plays came later in the second half that won the game.
0: Yeah, and it was because he and what was it? It was the 3rd and 10, right? And he converted it to uh to Corey Davis, and that's kind of what sparked it. And I'll be honest, like when this one started, it was following a very similar tune to what every other jets game this season is starting and, and, and we'll get to the defense. And I thought they were very good again against the jets. I mean, there's only so much you can do against Derrick Henry. That is the most dominant running back. I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I got a chance to see Adrian Peterson and his prime and things like that. And, and some other really good backs, you know, Marshall Fox, stuff like that. But from just a running the ball perspective, I don't think I've ever seen a running back where the, their sideline knew they were going to run the ball. The opposing sideline knew they were going to run the ball. Every person that was in the stadium from a fan perspective knew they were going to run the ball. Every media member knew they were going to run the ball. And Henry still managed 33 carries for 157 yards and a touchdown when everyone knew he was their only offense. So, I mean, look, there's only so much you can do, but it was the bend, but don't break. And when we were watching that first half, it was like, man, first quarter, quarter and a half, it was like, man, it's just going to be the same thing. The defense is going to do enough for the Jets to win this game. They're going to break in the second half, and the Jets' offense is going to score another six points and they're going to lose. And you're right. When he completed that pass to Corey Davis for the first down, it was almost as if like Mike LaFleur on the sideline breathed a sigh of relief. Zach Wilson in the huddle had a sigh of relief. Corey Davis, who had struggled to that point against his former team, no the, I mean, he downplayed it. That game definitely meant more to him, had a sigh of relief. Everyone, it was like a giant exhale from everyone on the Jets' sideline and in the Jets' huddle. And after that, it was like, all right, let's go play some football. And suddenly the decisiveness was there. The excitement was there. And when he drove them down the field and they scored on the the Michael Carter touchdown run where basically the entire offensive line carried him into the end zone, I was with you, man. I kind of felt like that was the okay turning point and I know they still went you know three and out on their next possession when they kind of had a chance to maybe really get it going and then they punted on their first drive of the third quarter before the theatrics really started but I agree with you that was kind of I think the moment where things settled down for them a little bit they settled down a little bit for LaFleur but I think to be completely honest with you it was after that I think was when the kitty gloves felt like they were taken off of Zach Wilson you know they had that drive then they kind of went back to it a little bit. But it was, it was after the punt in the third quarter. It was after the punt on the first drive where I think LaFleur was like, you know what, we, we got down the field and scored a touchdown on our first possession there behind Zach Wilson's arm. Zach Wilson's who got us down there. It was Zach Wilson. They kind of went back to like the run-run thing on the next two possessions. Then it was like, you know what? Let's just let the kid play. And then from the rest of the game, even when it didn't necessarily work in the fourth quarter and Zach missed some throws both in in the fourth quarter and overtime, they put the game on his shoulders. But I'm with you, man. Like that that drive was kind of where it was like you could feel some of the tension because the Jets were on edge to that point. You could tell the offense was on edge. You could tell the defense was starting to go on edge because there was after the the interception that Zach Wilson threw, there was the personal foul. And I was like, oh, man. Seriously, I thought it was like, here we go again, where the defense has done enough. They're getting no help from the offense. They're going to start to play sloppy. The penalties are going to come back, and suddenly this one's going to spiral. Give the defense a ton of credit. They kept the Jets in it. They waited for the offense to get going, and after that drive, I really felt they did.
1: Yeah, we will get specifically more into the defense a little bit later on. Um, So that was the drive that, that maybe got them going and maybe sparked them, but then the big plays came, and they came in bunches, and it was just electric stuff outside the pocket. Um, obviously the, the one that I think is going to stand out the most to everyone is Zach Wilson, basically making eye contact with Corey Davis and saying, Hey man, now just go deep and just chucking it. And he just made it look so easy. He was on point with so many throws and so many big moments. You mentioned that it wasn't perfect. There was the missed throws as well. This game could have been a little easier to win if those had been there. But at this point we're looking for progress and the progress, the leaps, that Zach Wilson and this team took from the first three games to this game. And we'll see if it continues, but it was huge. And those big plays are going to be the ones that, that obviously make the highlight reels and are going to just have jets fans over the moon right now.
0: Yeah. You know, like obviously when, when you cover this team and you're a reporter and, and I've been over like how my career went to get me to the jets. I mean, it was a job opening, you know, I was covering some NFL stuff for no money. And then, you know, the journal inquirer had an opening to, get you know $50 $75 a week to write a feature on the Jets so that's when I started covering the Jets it wasn't like it was like oh I want to cover the Jets for my life it was that that's where the job was and I went where the job was and then my career just kind of took me down that route so you know I don't have emotional ties to the team and things like that but I am still a football dork you know I'm still a football fan I'm still a guy who just likes football it's my favorite sport and I will say that for the first time since I covered my very first Jets game in 2014, I think I I looked at a performance from a player from a quarterback and just sat back for a second after the second tu- after the the touchdown he threw to Corey Davis, after the one to Keelan Cole, after he followed that that the, the the Jets got the lead and all that stuff. Like they they tied the game up and then all of a sudden, you know, it's the they threw the it was the the, the one to Crowder. Or, I'm sorry, with the one that the one to Corey Davis, when he threw that touchdown to Corey Davis, that was when I, I sat in the press box, kind of like looked what had just happened and just watched the replay, caught the replay again, like up on the top, then on my iPad. And I was like, man, that was freaking awesome. And it wasn't like just this is just, and I'm saying this from somebody who doesn't have any ties. I'm saying that from somebody that, that that obviously you guys get on me, or not you guys, but fans get on me about hating the Jets or or all this stuff. But just to watch that play and know everything that the Jets had told me going into this about why they drafted Zach Wilson when they highlighted, yeah, he has the ability. Like I remember talking to to a couple people over there, like right after they had drafted Zach, like literally the morning after the Jets had drafted Zach Wilson. I had talked to like to, to to Joe and I talked to Robert and I kind of said like you know what what did you guys like about this guy like what what kind of stood out to this guy like what why did you pick him kind of a thing just you know next day thoughts just not to to write or to to, to per source just to talk to him about it and I you know all, both those guys like highlighted how you know he's got the cannon for an arm he can make every throw you know they talked about his moxie and his swagger they talked about how you know he can contort his arm. To go to different angles and and do this and do that. And, you know, he had kind of like Mahomes like escapability was one of the phrases that they used in terms of like how he can move around and stuff like that. But the one thing that both those guys said was that he had an attribute you couldn't coach. And it was this improvisation improvisational ability that when things kind of went wrong or when things didn't go the way that they were supposed to, he could do things off script that you just can't coach. And you didn't really see that in training camp because everything's going by a script in training camp. You're supposed to run the plays. They're supposed to be designed. You didn't really see it too much except for maybe a glimmer or two in the preseason. And you certainly did not see it very much in the first two weeks of the regular season. That throw to Corey Davis, though, was everything that Sala and Douglas talked about after they drafted him on display. And I remember thinking about those words that they had said after he made the pass. I remember thinking about what what you know people seeing some of the BYU film, even what um you know we were talking to guys here and talking to different scouts and stuff like what they had said like oh what they like about him like Dane what Brugler told us about him when we had him on this show after the Jets beat the Rams and the sky was falling the Jets weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence and he was basically like look calm down this kid Zach Wilson's pretty cool like you're going to like watching him play and to watch that throw that he made to Corey Davis. I sat back, man, and I was like, like I said, that was awesome. That was, I mean, they were, they were just the perfectly placed pass. The, the, the feeling the pressure, scrambling out, the pointing to go deep, almost like Babe Ruth calling his shot, seeing him go deep. The perfect pass with a guy in front of him who was bearing down on him. Two Titan defenders there. It not mattering. I said this on CBS last night. There could have been six, seven, eight Titans there. The way that he just dropped the ball into Corey Davis's hands, the only person that was going to catch that pass was Corey Davis. There are maybe 10 players in the NFL capable of making that throw, and Zach Wilson made it with ease. And the fact he could have had a 50-plus yard touchdown to Keelan Cole if Cole kept his feet, Cole fell down. That was a perfectly placed ball that could have walked into the end zone. To see him do that, to see him do it in real time, I'm going to repeat myself. It was freaking awesome. Like, that's really what it was. This isn't about being a journalist. This isn't about being a reporter. This isn't about Jet fan, not Jet fan, trashing the team, praising the team. That was a player. That if you are a fan of football, it was awesome. That was awesome. And the fact that he's doing it now, and you can know that this is the future, this is the next 10 years, 12 years, 13 years. Yeah, we'll get to what he messed up on and the things, the mistakes he made and all that stuff. That play was so so cool it really was just to watch that play come together and it was just it was mind blowing to me it was awesome to me and i'll be honest with you guys like the only time that i've felt this way coming off of a jets game before and and like i said i've covered a lot of jet games i and it's been a lot since 2014 i mean i was there when decker caught the overtime grab to set up the game against the bills to beat the patriots and And make the playoffs a possibility. And and there were a lot of cool games in that moment. But the only one that I can really compare this game to and Zach Wilson's performance to was when Sam Darnold beat the Cowboys. Because there was all that hype about when Sam Darnold gets back from mono, when Sam gets back from mono, the offense. It was almost like, you know, temper the expectations, temper the expectations, temper the expectations. But then Sam against the Cowboys, just the long touchdown that he made to Robbie Anderson, where it was like, wow, did you see that pass to Robbie? This was kind of the closest. That, this was this exceeded that and more, because it was like the young quarterback coming of age, and more than that, it was a young quarterback doing things that I haven't seen a young quarterback do. It was a young quarterback doing things that, if you read the scouting report that Joe Douglas wrote on Zach Wilson, everything that he did in this game against Tennessee was written down in that scouting report. Everything, and it was just so cool to see it all come together. It really was. And and that throw, I think just exemplified everything. There's that, I mean, I, in my personal opinion, I think the best throw he made actually wasn't the one that the rollout to Keelan Cole, it was not the, the touchdown to Corey Davis. It was actually the one that he threw. Uh, I believe it was on the overtime drive where he had yep. in a clean pocket and just dropped it right in the hands of Keelan Cole, like right on the left sideline, just right before he ran out of bounds. That throw I think was the best throw that he made all day. But when you just talk about an excitement, when you talk about energy, when you talk about why Corey Davis and Greg Van Roten and Michael Floor and, and Calabrese and, and everyone that's in this building just loves Zach Wilson and Sala keeps saying, we see it in practice, we see it in practice, we see it in practice. What you saw against the Titans is what the Jets see in practice. And, and I, I, I don't want to repeat myself again, man, but it was awesome. It was so, so, so awesome. To see him make that play. And it's like one of the few times that I've covered a Jets game, and one of the few times I've covered a Jets player where I've actually stood back afterwards. Well, sat back because I was in a chair and thought to myself, like, how many other people in the NFL can make that play? How many other people in the NFL can make that throw that far down the field with that much redirecting, throw it out, that much excitement? And I came up with Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, uh, maybe Kyler Murray. Like, how many other people can make that throw? And out of 32 quarterbacks, maybe there's 10. Maybe if you really want to stretch it and they get lucky, there's 15. The Jets got one of them. And when everything else comes together for this kid, if everything else comes together for this kid, he has a chance to be really special. But that play, and we see it. Like, it's the, it's the photo that we're using that Marissa chose to use for this for this episode. Like, it's him rolling out while running and just pointing to go deep. Like, how like i'm just gonna say how fucking awesome is that like how awesome is that photo how awesome is that throw how awesome is that moment like just from a football perspective forget jet fan not jet fan i patriot fans could watch that play and be like yeah that's pretty cool like it was just a a a cool 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 swaggy thing i mean it was awesome and it was fun to watch and the fact that that could be what we're watching for the next 15 years it's even cooler it really is
1: it's one of those plays because of the flash and everything that like if he was still in college, right? That's the those Heisman moments they talk about is the the one play that you remember from a Heisman Trophy winner. I agree with you, though. The, the throw in overtime was probably the best one. And one reason for that is because he wasn't scrambling out of the pocket. So let's talk about that. The fact that he had the time to drop back and drop in a pass like that in overtime and throughout the day. He had the time. Yeah, some of those plays were on scrambles, but they were also planned scrambles. The offensive line, um, big step up in week four for this team.
0: Yeah, it was actually. I should think it was Zach and the O line going toe to toe. I mean, because I mean, Greg Van Roen caught a lot of heat uh, for last week, and and justifiably so. But I mean, he he spoke with truths. Like he he wasn't bullshitting. He wasn't you know deflecting blame. It was just I think a player that was emotional after a loss that. Um, provided a healthy dose of honesty, which is kind of pretty cool for us to uh to to talk about and and to to get a glimpse of. It. And what he said is that you know Zach's got to learn to get rid of the ball quicker. That in the NFL you can't hold on to the ball because you're gonna get your ass kicked. You're gonna get pummeled. And that was kind of the talk of the week in Florham Park. It was about Zach Wilson's hitching and the fact that in the first three weeks against well Carolina was a freaking disaster, but against the Patriots and against the Broncos. Yeah, the offensive line wasn't perfect. Yeah, the offensive line wasn't great. But Zach was dropping back. And when the ball was supposed to come out, he was not having it come out. He was holding it like that extra tick. And when you hold it, that extra tick in the NFL, very rarely, as Robert Salas said, does that work? Even when you have the best of the best offensive lines, seldom does that work. The Jets do not. Have one of the best offensive lines. The Jets do not have one of the best offensive lines in any way, shape, or form. They have a uh, one that's competent, I think, and one that they can survive with right now. I think one that still needs to be improved with. But but you can you can I think mean, you, you can win with the grouping that the Jets have if they're firing on all cylinders. But they do not have the ability for the quarterback to sit back there and hold it and hold it and hold it. And what Lafleur said this week, and Salas said this week, and Zach Wilson said this week is that the ball needs to get out quicker. He needs to learn that on his hitch he can't be indecisive. He can't hesitate. He needs to see. He needs to trust what he sees. And he needs to get rid and release the ball. I haven't seen the analytical data yet because, you know, I I did the game, did CBS, came home, fell asleep. And now I'm with you guys. So, like, I'll go over pro football focus and all that stuff to see, like, his average time to throw and and how much time he had in the pocket and his release time and all that stuff. But I would assume just from the eye test, not from having sit there and and read what people with the clickers actually read or, or things like that, but just my own eye test. That ball got out of his hand quick. There was only one time where I really felt like the pocket collapsed on him, and it was Harold Landry looped around uh, from the right side and came all the way inside Van Roten and, and uh, Connor McGovern for the sack. That was really the I think that was the only sacking quarterback hit Zach Wilson took. And part of that does have to do with the offensive line having one of their better games of the season. But Zach Wilson for the first time this season also helped the Jets because he was decisive. He did. Trust what he saw. I mean, even the interception that he threw to Corey Davis was a sign that he was trusting his gut and going with it because he threw that ball before Corey Davis went down. So he knew Corey Davis was going to have outside and then cut in on the deep end. He threw the ball before Corey Davis cut in because it was going to be a bang, bang play. Corey Davis plants, cuts in the balls there, catches it first down 15 yards, maybe fights off the tack, maybe fights off Fulton gets a, another four, five, six yards. or maybe he's, we've seen Davis has pretty good yak ability. So maybe it's he did something like that. So he threw the ball before Corey Davis broke. Obviously, as Corey Davis broke, he fell down. The ball went right into Fulton's hands and he intercepted it. But that's a play that he wasn't necessarily making the first three weeks. Like, that was an anticipation throw. That was knowing, okay, my receiver's going to break now. I'm going to throw it before he breaks. The ball's right there. That's another sign, though. He's going off. He's, he's, he's trusting what he sees. He's going with it. He's playing with confidence. And it didn't necessarily work the first quarter and a half as we talked about it. But once it did on that first touchdown drive, when he connected with Davis for the first down, then he got another chunk play to Davis on the first down. Then the Jets scored. They had the back-to-back three and out or back-to-back drives that ended with a punt. But then they had the four-play 77-yard drive for the touchdown when he's back hitting strikes. You saw the decisiveness come back. You saw the commitment come back. You saw he wasn't hitching. He was getting rid of the ball and he was quick and he was alert and he the ball was out of his hand before the rush could get home. The hitch... Was gone. And I think that combined with the offensive line having a better game, you saw a quarterback that was kept upright. And more than anything else, Tim, we saw what Zach Wilson can do when he's kept upright. Because even in that Patriot game, he was that was, you know, the he wasn't seeing ghosts, but I mean he was like that was four interceptions and ten passes. You know, like that was pretty ridiculous the game against the, the the Panthers he was not kept upright against the Broncos was not kept upright and the, even the Patriots they ended with four sacks in that game so if you want to talk about okay he was holding the ball longer plus the offense I mean it was a disaster he hasn't been kept upright not throughout training camp a little bit in the preseason but he didn't really play that much and then definitely not through the first 3 weeks today yesterday he was kept upright yesterday they had protection and yesterday we finally saw what Zach Wilson can do when he has time to throw And I'm going back to it, man. It's freaking awesome. Like, it really is awesome to watch what he can do when he can throw the ball. It really is, really is, really is really cool.
1: That's going to be our new drinking game is awesome from Connor this season. New edition. All right, we're going to move on to the defense. But first, Connor, one more thing just to put a bow on Zach Wilson. Uh, We talked about the little things. We talked about the big throws. What stood out the most to you?
0: Yeah, honestly, man, it's it's not even necessarily what stood out most, but kind of what impressed me most. And, and I think it was, you know, look, we, we can we can talk about we have talked about, you know, the touchdown to Corey Davis. We can talk about the two throws that he made to Keelan Cole. You can talk about getting rid of the ball quicker and getting rid of the ball faster. The playmaking ability, the improvisational ability, all that stuff. I think that those things are, are going to steal the highlight shows. You know, that's what they're going to be talking about on, on Good Morning Football. That's what they're going to be talking about on Total Access and Sports Center. And and it's going to be fodder and highlight and people going crazy. And, and fans, too. Like, they're, they're going to be – that's what they're going to be talking about. And it should. You know, this is this is a highlight-driven league. This is where you want to see quarterbacks throw without looking and Mahomes throw under underhand and all that stuff. You know, that's what people want to see. But – To be completely transparent with you, I think what what made me step back and say maybe, and you're not jumping to this ledge yet, but maybe the Jets have gotten this one right. Maybe they actually have their answer to the franchise quarterback drought that's been going on the last five decades. Maybe they've got something special here was actually when we talked to Zach after the game because, you know, this was an opportunity for him to be outwardly confident for him to be overly emotional, for him to, to, to say, this is what was coming. This is, we knew this was coming. We won the game. We knew it. Now we're going to build on this and we're going to go and we're going to go. We're going to go. When we talked to Robert Sala, he said, one of the things he said to Zach Wilson, and, and he said this to him after the first touchdown drive that they had was he pulled him aside and he said, um, Are you having fun yet? Because that's kind of been what what Robert's been wanting to preach to Zach is like, get back to having fun, have fun playing football, stop making this so hard on yourself. Just have fun, have fun, have fun. And so it was kind of a a softball that I threw out to Zach thinking this would be like the easiest lead in the world was, well, you know, Zach, Robert told us that he asked you during the game, if, if you were having fun yet, so are you? And he smiled and he said, yeah, and then he said, quote, but it's an interesting kind of fun, unquote. And when he first said that, my head was like, the hell you mean? Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like that kind of a thing. Like, oh, we're, we're, what do you mean? Like uh, an interesting kind of fun. And as he continued to talk and he's continued to answer, he's basically, he, what he explained was like, and, and paraphrasing, but he explains, yeah, it was, it was awesome. throwing on the touchdown to, to Zach Wilson or to, to Corey Davis. And the throws were cool. And the win was really fun, but I could have won the game before that. He talked about how he could have won the game with a third down pass in the fourth quarter when the Jets put the game on Zach Wilson's shoulders and let the the young quarterback go win the game. They could have run the ball, brought it to the two-minute warning and punted. Instead, they put it in his hand and said, go win us the game. He missed the pass to Corey Davis. Down by the goal line, twice they put the ball in his hands and said, go win us the game. He short-hopped the pass to Ryan Griffin, incomplete. He rolled out on a naked boot on third down and one at the third and goal at the one. They were going to go for it on fourth and one. Instead, when Zach Wilson got hit for the sack, tackle for loss, whatever you want to call it, and lost four yards to the five-yard line, the Jets had to kick the field goal, which Matt Amadola almost missed. After the game, when he was standing up there on the podium, when he was sitting at his locker, yeah, he was happy to get the game ball from Sala. Yeah, he was happy to have his family there to see it win. Yeah, he was happy for Jet fans. What was going around in circles in his mind was not the big plays, was not the great plays, was not the plays that everyone is going to be singing his praises for. And talking about, oh, look, he finally out. He broke out. Look, at they, they were not those plays. What Zach Wilson was thinking about was the plays that he didn't make. Were the plays that could have won the game. The completion to Corey Davis that would have won it. The com- touchdown to Ryan Griffin that would have won it. Thro- won it. Throwing the ball out of bounds on third and goal at the one to set up a fourth and goal at the one to try to win it. Those were the plays that Wilson wanted back. Those were the plays that Wilson wanted to recount in his head. Those are the plays that Wilson wanted to replay over and over and over again, knowing that when he is in the situation next, he won't make those mistakes again. And when he said that, when he took the first question of his podium to talk about that, I go back to that game that Sam Darnold played against the the Dallas Cowboys, the post-mono game. If you remember in the second half or or I believe it was the second quarter, third quarter, Sam was driving the Jets down into the red zone, was going to score a touchdown to basically put that game away. And instead he threw an interception that kept the Cowboys back in. And in fact, it took a safety blitz from Jamal Adams, I believe on a two point conversion for the Jets to actually win that game. In the post game press conference, Sam wasn't talking about the interception when we brought it up to him later in the conference, he did, but he wasn't talking about the pick. He was talking about all the positivity. We won. We're back. Let's go. This was fun. The touchdown to Robbie. That's what Zach was focusing on the bat. Zach was focusing on what he didn't do so that he could correct it and fix it for next time. And I think that for a 21, 22 year old to think like that for a 21 or 22 year old, to be focusing on that for a 21, 22 year old, to be able to step back at that age, your first win as a pro you're really welcome to the nfl moment and take that big picture view i just think that that was that told me more than any completion than any touchdown drive than any throw that told me that maybe really maybe this kid gets it and there's a lot more boxes that need to be checked a lot more things that he needs to do they need to progress in different ways but that that really showed me that you know what I think this, there might be something special about number two. And I really can't wait to watch him next week in London when they come out of the bye against the Patriots and the rest of the season just to see how he builds on them.
1: Really, maybe, maybe all the Jets fans need right now to keep the, the hope <laughs> alive. Um, so you mentioned he had chances to end this game earlier. The defense had some chances to to end this game earlier as well and didn't come through. But I want to stick to the positive, at least to start here with this defense, because, yes, you mentioned Derrick Henry, 33 carries, 157 yards. He's a beast. Tannehill threw for 298 yards. That said... Especially early in this game, the defense was so huge. Those field goals—if those field goals are touchdowns—this game is a blowout. The Jets, the the misery continues. But their field goals—they keep the Jets in the game. And the pressure that they were able to produce—seven sacks on Tannehill. Um, I mean, the, this is a defense that that, in my opinion, got it done on Sunday.
0: Yeah, they did, and and they've been getting it done all week, Tim. I know you, you've been right. you've been being a, a dad, and I, I, you know, I, I figure that the last thing I've you been want getting do, it done Connor yeah well when you're yeah when you're <laughs> when you're when you're struggling for sleep as I think happens when you have a baby right off the bat I can't imagine you want to suscept yourself to more pain by watching the Jets play football which is you know what it was the first three weeks I mean those games were painful this was a team that was averaging 6.6 points per game I mean that's not fun to watch but the one positive in all of those games is that the Jets actually had a chance to win all of those games based off of just their defensive performance. I mean, the Jets did enough against the Panthers defensively to win that game. The Jets did enough against the Patriots defensively to win that game. The Jets, I think, even did pretty much enough against the Broncos to keep the Jets in that game, where if the offense had done anything, they might have started to put some things together. The defense builds off the offensive momentum, and suddenly the Jets might win that game. I mean, it was... The defense has been carrying this one throughout the entire season, and they carried it again against the Titans. I mean, like I said, it, it was a testament to Derrick Henry's brilliance that everyone in that stadium, like I said, all 80,000 people, there probably actually weren't that many people there because I was, the stadium was not very packed. Um, But everyone that was in that stadium, the thousands and thousands of people that were in that stadium knew that Derrick Henry was going to run the ball and the Titans fed him 33 times for 157 yards. I mean, he just, I, I said at one point, the jets were pounding him. Like every time he touched the ball, They tried to inflict pain on him, whether it was Quincy Williams, Quinn Williams, even the corners, Javelin Gidry, Michael Carter. They were hitting Derrick Henry every time he touched that ball. And I said, at some point, someone's going to break. Either the Jets defense is going to start giving up chunk plays or Derrick Henry is going to start saying, you know, I think I'm just going to go down on first contact. I don't want to get hit anymore. We saw in the fourth quarter in overtime, Derrick Henry was not the one that was going to break. The Jets defense started allowing the chunk plays. And that's just what happens. You get worn down, but... This defense, again, kept the Jets in it. This defense, again. And, and they've done it all season. But I think what's been so crazy to see for me, Tim, is that when we talked about the Jets going into this one, and I, I admit, I, I can admit now, I mean, it's been a month, so it's probably real and not fake anymore. I thought that this was going to be a season where the Jets were averaging 20-plus points every game, and they were allowing 40 a game. I just did not see how without Carl Lawson, they were going to create a consistent pressure. I didn't see how without any name in that secondary, aside from Marcus May, who didn't even play yesterday, they were going to be able to stop teams. I thought they were, I thought the opposition was going to dink and dunk the Jets to death, that they were going to drop back, fire away at slants, and just do what Aaron Rodgers did when they had those joint practices and just torment New York. And it was going to be a long win-loss season because I did not see how the Jets were going to stop anybody. Instead, I think what I've been so remarkably impressed with, and every, everyone's going to talk about the pass rush, right? And and justifiably so. I mean, Quinnen Williams has three and a half sacks this year. John Franklin Myers has three sacks this year. The Jets had seven sacks yesterday, but they entered the season averaging two sacks a game, which is pretty good. They've created consistent pressure on the quarterback. They've bent but not broken throughout the season. I mean, the defense has been playing lights out, but it's the way that... The secondary and the defensive line, or the secondary, the coverage and the pass rush have married together. That I think has made such a difference for the Jets. The Jets' defensive line is dominating right now, yes, but they aren't having this dominant performance if the secondary wasn't carrying their weight. This is a one two punch. This is both sides having a playing a factor in this defensive performance. I mean, there were times when Tannehill dropped back where there was not pressure in his face on the first two seconds of the drop back. Now, granted, we can talk about how if Julio Jones and AJ Brown play. It's probably a different story. I mean, I don't think that the Titans have nine first half points. If it's Julio Jones going up against Javelin Guidry and not Reynolds or McNichols or Rogers. Like, you know, I don't think that those play. I mean, it's probably a different game. I mean, I think Zach Wilson yeah. could still have come back, but it's pro- the, the the win. I don't think the Jets win this game if Brown and Julio play. Like It really does completely change things if those guys play. But you don't want to take anything away from the totality of what the defense has done this year. And that's what I'm focusing on because this secondary is playing as much of a role to the pass rush's effectiveness as anything else. Because when the quarterback hits his back step, guys aren't open when the quarterback looks at his first read, that first read isn't open. The Jets are playing this man-style defense where they are locking guys down for enough time that the pass rush can get home. And it is that perfect marriage because it's not necessarily about getting to the quarterback right away because no pass rush. I don't care if you've got the five best pass rushers to ever live on your defensive line. If the receiver is open right off the snap, it's not going to matter because every quarterback is just going to have the ball out before he can get home. You're not going to get there in 1.5 seconds, but a receiver can get open that quick. The Jets secondary, which I didn't think stood a chance in hell of having success this year, are containing an opponent's pass, pass uh, passing game enough to give the defensive line time to get home. The defensive line is then getting home before the receivers can break free. It's this perfect balance that i haven't seen from the jets in quite some time because you've seen before like you know in 15 in, in 2015 you know they had good uh good good um you know pass rush and, and they had you know or a good then the good secondaries you're still getting revis a little bit but then you didn't necessarily have the pass rush all the time it was always weird and then i remember pepper johnson gave an interview with dom constantino who used to write for the star ledger where he just opened up uh, casey rogers and todd bowles never married right the pass rush and the 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 secondary. They just never did that. And that's why they struggled. You know, they weren't calling secondary to help this pass rush and the pass rush or not. And that's why it eventually broke down for them with the jets and Greg Williams. It was a completely different beast. And, and this is like the first time where I've truly seen like a defense, all 11 guys really working together because, you know, almost like we're talking about Zach Wilson, getting the credit in certain areas, the pass rush, when you have seven sacks, they're going to get the pressure, they're going to get the credit, but that pass rush cannot do what they did. Unless the corners can lock down the receivers in the way that they did. And this isn't just about the Titans and doing it against Brown and Julio. Because the Jets performed really well against the Broncos in the secondary. They performed really well against the Patriots in the secondary. And they did a pretty good job for the most part against the Panthers in the secondary as well. I mean, that team scored, what, 19 points? Something like that. So, I mean, they did their job there as well. And and I have been wrong about that secondary because i did not see how any i didn't see in any way shape or form how bryce hall javelin gidry mike carter isaiah dunn and brandon eccles could get it done i didn't see how that grouping was going to work i didn't see how that group was going to be able to put it together and and mask weaknesses and max differences and truly make a difference on sundays where the jets could hold keep teams out of the end zone and they've done it time And time and time again. And this isn't just about young guys not realizing that they're good. And this isn't about young guys, you know, just effort or not. I shouldn't say realizing they're good. Young guys realizing they're not good and just efforting their way into sacks. Because we saw that or efforting their way into plays. We saw that in 2019, right? When the Jets had uh, players that, that had no business being on the field. But they were efforting their way into plays. You know, Bless Austin was efforting his way into plays. And guys were just out efforting their opponent. They were positioning. They were making mistakes. Because that was the thing. Even though they were high effort players, they weren't good. So they were still making mistakes in the back end. The Jets secondary is playing with such ridiculous effort. But aside from them playing with ridiculous effort, they're also making plays. Hall made that ridiculous play on the long shot that Tannehill took where he batted the pass away. Javelin Gidgery is making tackles on Derrick Henry in the open field to save what would have been a walk-off touchdown. The secondary is making plays in addition to their high effort. And when you combine that with a pass rush that is significantly better, even without Carl Lawson, you've got a defense that's playing top 10 ball. Truly, you have a defense that is playing top 10 ball. And I did not see that coming this year. But this defense, if they keep it up, they've done it 14 games or four games, and they can do it for another 13. They're going to keep the Jets in games. And if they keep the Jets in games, eventually the offense is going to start to click and maybe New York wins a little bit more than we thought they would.
1: One more comment I wanted to make on the defense was just that um, that I thought was cool just watching this defense was the energy level because I feel like it, I don't know if that comes from Robert Sala, but there was a, when they're making plays, whether it's in the secondary or going to the quarterback, um, there was an overall joy that I got from this defense that they were they were picking each other up, they were excited for each other. The guys on that team, it almost it was almost like watching a college defense. Connor, does that make sense? Like when you see just that, that it was less of, hey, we're here for, you know, where professional football players were making plays. It was more like we're just excited that we're playing this way. And there was a, there was an energy level that, hey, it's infectious and, and it you don't see it always on Sundays in NFL games.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, Tim, I, I think Sol has talked a lot about this. And it's if you think about it, man, it's because a lot of these guys 10 months ago were in college. A lot of these guys 10 months ago were playing college ball. I mean, how many veterans are really on this team? I mean, if you want to extend it to two, to three years, I mean, it's been a good long while, like or it hasn't been a good long while since these guys weren't in college. I mean, the secondary, Hall in his second year, Carter, a rookie, Eccles, a rookie, the linebacker positions, Quincy Williams, he's you know, drafted in 2019. CJ Mosley is the veteran. And then obviously you have you know, John Franklin Myers. He's always the bubbly guy. So, I mean, there's a lot of youth in this. And what Salah said is that you know that you got two different – Salah said this multiple times to us. And, and it's that you have two different types of players in this league. You have veterans and you have not veterans. And you have benefits and you have pluses and minuses to all that. Because when you have youth guys, when you have youthful players, they play with speed – that veterans do not. They play with speed that veterans cannot because they're older. Now, the plus side of that is while the veterans don't have that speed, they have that experience, so they don't make the mistakes that the young guys do. So what the Jets are trying to do here, and what Sal is trying to do with the Jets, is get the young players, while they still have all that youthful, game-changing, game-breaking speed that veterans do not, he's trying to get those youthful players to play like veterans while they still have the youthful speed. And the way that you do that is you get them up to speed, where he talks about scarring. You know, and, and and you take scars and, and it's like, well, veterans have scars because they've been burnt before and they know how to respond and they know what not to do. So he wants to scar up his rookies now so that they know what to do while they're still playing with that youthful speed. That's what he wants. And I think you do see that on the field. And, and I'll be honest, like what Quincy and Quinn and Williams are unbelievable and all that stuff. But the biggest key, the key piece to this defense the biggest piece to this defense, the game-changing piece of this defense, the guy who makes all of this go right and all of this go in the right direction, it's C.J. Mosley. You're seeing now for a month what you saw for three quarters in 2019 against the Bills. The way that, you know, he's. he's, I think he's still getting back into speed. He's probably as close now than he's been, you know, because again, he did take two years off. But when he's behind the line, when he is directing pre-snap, just watch him pre-snap. Watch him post-snap when he's celebrating with his teammates. He is the heart and soul of that defense. And if you were, you talk about guys the Jets can afford to miss, I think if Quinn and Williams missed some games, the Jets could survive it. Obviously, Carl Lawson's missing the season. The Jets can clearly survive it. Marcus May missed a game, and the Jets won the game that he didn't play in. Brandon Echols left. The Jets replaced him with Javelin Guidry. They didn't miss a beat. You talk about the guys that they could not afford to lose, it's number 57. They cannot afford to lose C.J. Moza because he is the heart and soul of that defense. He keeps everything running. He keeps everything organized. He's like, you know, the teacher surrounded. He's like the kindergarten teacher, right? He's got a bunch of kids running around like crazy, and he's the one that keeps him in line and everyone focused on the same thing. He has been so, so good this year, and I can't imagine where this Jets defense is without him. I mean, this is, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level, both with part of his performance and part of his play and part of what he does as a player but also he's playing at a pro bowl level just for what he means to this team. The Jets are playing a top t- as a top 10 top 15 defense. They are not doing that without CJ Mosley.
1: All right. One more thing I wanted to get to before we wrap things up, and that is, hey, a win is a win. And it, it changes things a little bit for this team, especially because it wasn't just a win. It was a win over a good football team. Uh, granted, we mentioned that they were down Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But it was a g- good team, a team that plans to be in the playoffs and the Jets beat them. So what does this mean going forward, Connor, when you look at this team and you think about expectations now that we've seen the good Zach Wilson?
0: Well, I, well, they beat a playoff team. I mean, is there a playoff team, right? That's what one win does. Now <laughs> that's the away. Well, we're no. connecting these dots. No, I think this was just, I mean, the monkey, they got the monkey off their back. I mean, when you start losing and you get marred in a losing streak and things can start to spiral and suddenly, you know, you you fall behind by a touchdown and you're not thinking, oh, we'll, we'll get it back on the next drive. You're thinking, here we go again. I mean, that's what happened to the Jets last year is that there were games they could have won. There were games that shouldn't have, that shouldn't have spiraled the way that they did but they did because they'd fall behind and it was here. We go again. We're losing again. We're going to get beat up again. We're going to lose. It's just it's, and it goes like this and it spirals and it spirals and it spirals and it spirals. And then eventually it's well, it's another loss and it's another loss and Owen 2 becomes Owen 4 becomes Owen 6 becomes Owen 8 becomes Owen 10 and it just goes and it goes and it goes. And I thought the Jets were dangerously close to that happening. If they lost this game, Suddenly, so they're going across the pond to play the Falcons. And it's like, well, are they going to be able to beat the Falcons? Because now they've just lost four in a row. And now they have the long trip. And then they come back and they have the bye. But then it's the Patriots and Foxboro. Then it's a good Bengals team. And it starts going. But now that you've got this, now that you have this win under your belt, now that you've got the win, like the Jets are not a playoff team. The Jets are not going to fight for the wild card spot. The Jets are not going to compete for a divisional title. The Bills are going to run away with that, especially now that the Dolphins look poor without Tua. But what the Jets are in a position now is what we talked about before the season. Compete, be in games, fight, steal some, beat the teams that are worse than you compete with the teams that are better than you do that to instill hope and confidence for the future. And I think you just needed that first win to make that happen. They got it against the Titans and now they go across the pond to play a Falcons team that I know they, they they've played better as of late and they beat the giants, but that's not a very good football team. Matt Ryan is not the quarterback he once in a while has. They have some talent in Ridley and Pitts, but that's not a good offensive line, and the defense isn't very good. That's a winnable game for the Jets. They get the bye week. They go into Foxborough. They competed, and they stood tall with the Patriots, and Zach Wilson still threw four interceptions. If Wilson doesn't throw those four interceptions, you know he's going to want to come back, and you know he's going to want to play better than he did the last time. Jets, that's a game that I don't think it's impossible the Jets can't win that game. I think it's a game the Jets can compete against. Then you have the the, the uh, game against the Bengals, which would be very tough. But now you can start to talk about things maybe going in your direction. And you now I'll be honest with you. I thought three, four wins at one point. I thought two wins maybe was how, mu- how many games the Jets were going to win. But when they win and they get the win the way they, they did, and the offense plays the way they did, and the defense keeps playing the way they did, may just compete the rest of the way. I think that's what the expectations change from. It goes from a really long season where you're turning the game off after the first quarter to you want to stick with this team. You want to watch this team. You want to see what they don't do as we move forward. You don't want to see what they don't do as we keep going forward. You want to see what they don't do as this season drags on and rolls on and goes on. And you never know what might not happen. And I, again, I'm not talking about playoffs or, or wild card or divisional title, or anything like that, but maybe I'm talking about six wins. Maybe I'm talking about five wins. Maybe I'm talking about seven wins. Maybe I'm talking about, Four wins, but they've got five losses that are decided by seven or fewer points. Just compete, you know. And I, I, th- I forget who said the line, it might have been Solid that said it this week, or someone said it this week, where you kind of have to learn to lose before you learn to win. You know what I mean? Like you need to learn to lose and they the just have out learned how
1: to, to lose
0: for years. Yeah, but different. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But this is a different kind of team and <laughs> yeah, a different kind yeah, of energy and things like that. But I'll be honest with you, man. I, I think expectations wise, I don't change them that much but I think the jets showed that they might get fun again. That's all that this season's about is about. It wasn't fun. The first three games at all, that was nothing fun about that. There was maybe two quarters and a couple of throws against the Panthers where it was a little fun or like a little sprinklage of fun, but it was not fun. I think expectations for the jets now is make this season fun again. And you don't have to necessarily win every game to make it fun, but just be in every game, show excitement from the rookie quarterback, show sprinkles that you got it right. And the future's bright, make it fun again. And I think that, We got a sign that that might be possible. And now you just got to build on it. Because if they beat the Falcons next week in London, going into the bye, I'll tell you what, Tim, the Jets will be fun again. If they are two and three going into the bye and Zach Wilson looks in Atlanta and in London, what he did, like he did against the Titans, the Jets will be fun again.
1: Suddenly they're going to have a huge fan base across the pond. It's going to be, it's going to be a worldwide brand. I can see it all. It's all coming together.
0: for a minute, I thought that you know, after that game against the uh, the Broncos, I thought that sending the Jets to London was the worst thing we'd done to that country since the War of eighteen twelve. I really did. Like, I thought. It was I mean, of all the games, bad. and the
1: Falcons aren't. I mean, the Falcons are bad too. Like that's yeah, that oh, that yeah, didn't it was look great, great on paper. Um, all right, well, coming up later in the week, we're going to get you all set for that trip to London. Connor's going. Yeah, he's. Uh, you got your passport ready.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's right up there. Yeah, I do on my passport. He's I got to like do, do like this verify on on Amer on American Airlines and all that stuff. But yeah, I'll, I'll come back with. I'll make sure to come back with an accent. That'll that'll make the podcast really fun. There you go. We'll at least make a bad one. On my uh, British yeah. accent. Uh, you're gonna have tea, fun. Coffee.
1: I uh, I spent a semester in London in college, so uh, I have nothing but great things to say about that that country Did and that suggestions? Uh, I don't know if they're dish? still open at this point. Um It's been not a while, but. But I'll check. Anyway, we'll be back later in the week with that. Connor will be checking in from across the pond. Um, Of course, if you want to save 50% off a subscription to The Athletic, you can do that by going to slash can't wait. It was great being back on the show. Great seeing the Jets win a football game. Have a great week, everyone.